On today's show, continuing our media series, we'll be joined by Houston Rockets courtside reporter Vanessa Richardson. Her start in sports media, how she eventually found her way to Houston and the Houston Rockets, expectations for this upcoming season, what she learned about the team, the players, favorite stories, moments, and everything from this past year. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. No! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is a very special guest, the courtside reporter for your Houston Rockets, Vanessa Richardson. You can track down on Twitter at Sports Vanessa and Vanessa Thank you so much for car- carving out the time to be here with us today. I know you're so busy. You've got Astros stuff. I'm sorry I had to peel you away from the Astros momentarily <laughs> to come talk Rockets with us on the show. Please don't be sorry. I listen to your podcast often. Um, longtime listener, first-time caller. Is they actually, no, I think I've been on here before. But I listen um, and obviously love the podcast, appreciate what you do. Um, I know Rockets fans love it too. So, yeah, a lot of Astros, but we are getting ready for – what I think is going to be a really exciting season with the Rockets, and I am pumped for media day. Oh, it cannot get here soon enough. We are about a month away from media day, training camp, all of that, and that's when the ball gets rolling, and it's just going to be so much fun and excitement going into this year. I know you're ready for it. I'm ready for it. So many others are ready for it. We're going to get into some of the, you know, thoughts, expectations going into this next season for the Rockets, but first things first, as part of this kind of media series that we've been running here on the show, we've had Jonathan Fagan on, we've had Craig Ackerman on. It's kind of a chance for Rockets fans, the diehards who are still listening to Rockets content here in the dog days of the offseason, to Love get it. to know the people who cover this team on a regular basis. So I want to start with you, Vanessa, and find out what were your what's your kind of origin story, right? How did you find your way into sports media and decide it was something that you really wanted to do? Yeah, good question. I, I've i always known I wanted to do it. I mean, literally, we're talking like sixth or seventh grade, I knew. Um, I'm from Indiana and the be- about an hour from Indianapolis, Terre Haute. It, literally, the only reason people even have heard of it is because it's where Larry Bird went to college at Indiana State. Um, the best way to describe, I don't even know. Actually, you know what? Like the way people in Texas are crazy about football, that is Indiana with basketball, like you plan your schedule around high school hoops, even if you don't have a kid on the team. Um, It is very much a community driven. It's a big part of the fabric of whatever community you're in the, the high school basketball team. And um, you know, so for me, the first team I really remember watching like what was an AAU team 
that had Eric Gordon, Mike Conley Jr., Daquan Cook, Josh McRoberts, and Greg Oden on it. I mean, they were in high school when I was in elementary school. And so um, I fell in love with with basketball really early. Um, and so, you know, we went to Indiana State games. We went to IU games. My dad and I did. My late father, you know, was kind of the the force behind me loving sports. And we would go to Colts games. And so I just knew. Um, and I did not have a plan B. <laughs> I decided to go to college in Indianapolis and went to University of Indianapolis, which is smaller division two. And my freshman year uh, of college at 18 years old, I got a job at a jazz and classical radio station. And I did that to get on air and get reps. But I also did that because I was able to be the sports reporter for that station. So, you know, a couple days a week, you would hear me like, oh, you're listening to smooth jazz with Vanessa. But because I, yeah, right. Yeah, I still have the voice. That was Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, please tell me that's on your reel somewhere. It's just like the smooth jazz Vanessa tracks. Hopefully buried. But, um, you know, that allowed me to literally cover the Colts, Pacers, Indianapolis 500, and, um, you know, different events in Indianapolis as a media member, which was huge. So um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was like my first time in the Pacers locker room, I was a freshman in college and Paul George, I remember asked me if I was okay. Cause I was so nervous and I was like, not a nervous gal, but think about it. You're 18 and you're like, okay, what am I, but it was, it was a really good way to just get kind of um, it, thrown into it in a good way. Um, and then my junior year, I got a job with the Pacers doing their in arena stuff. So like the Jumbotron chick, essentially like Pacers fans on your feet. I've got free Kroger gift cards. You were, you were, you were Kiati for the Pacers. I was, I was hard body Kiati for the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> and again, you know, I'm a junior in college. So just, you know, what a great way to get experience, uh, meet people in the community and I did it for the Indianapolis Indians as well, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates AAA affiliate. Did a couple internships and, um, you know, I was just really, really comfortable there. Like, you know, when the Final Four was there, um, you know, I was able to do some volunteer work with the Final Four. And so I just, I was able to really get involved um, on, a, on a good level for being that young. And to tell you the truth, I I don't even know that I really wanted to leave. I I didn't want to leave. Um, And I remember Quinn Buckner, who does color commentary for the Pacers, obviously, you know, former great player, great coach was like, you, you need to go somewhere and get a full-time job and, and you need to leave and get out of your comfort zone. And I'm really glad he said that um, because I think it, it really propelled me. You need mentors like that to push you. And so I, uh, right out of college, I graduated in, in May of 2017 and I went to Cincinnati, Ohio and did morning traffic on the morning show at the NBC station. I would do news in the afternoon and then I would come back at night and do sports. Cincinnati was wonderful, but I love the NBA. So it was hard to work where there wasn't an NBA team at the time. If anybody watches, you know, college hoops, Chris Mack was at Xavier, Mick Cronin was at um, UC. So there were some really good college hoops happening while I was in Cincinnati, but I did that for two years. I was a terrible news reporter. I um, 
my boss pulled me into his office one day and was like, Hey, you know, we love your enthusiasm. We love your like on air bubbliness, but, and I'm like, great. You know, what's the problem? And he's like, well, when you cover like a, a massive like car accident, you can't be bubbly and smiling. And, you know, I think I'm 22 years old. I had only done sports. So I was not good at, you know, covering the serious things. I don't think it's not that I wasn't good at it. It just stayed with me. And I'm probably more sensitive than I'd, I'd like to admit. So I knew it was a great first job out of college, but I knew doing sports was full time was something that needed to happen. So there was a job that opened up in Houston at KPRC, which is the NBC affiliate here. And, um, you know, what I knew about Houston was obviously having watched so much Rockets and the Texans and Colts having those battles back in the day. Um, knew about the Astros. They were, you know, already, they had already won the World Series at that point. Um, so I was, I was really drawn to the opportunity. And I came and for two years, I was like the weekend anchor. So I'd be in studio on the weekends and then be a reporter in the field um, weekday and enjoyed that. But at a certain point, just felt like I wasn't growing anymore. And, um, you know, in local news, you're only on air for maybe two minutes a day doing like the, the sports cast. And I just wanted to be able to develop more as a journalist and a reporter. So I took a job locally at ESPN 97.5 radio with David Gao over at Gao Media, hosting from 10 to 12 with Paul Gallant and um, had a great, great time doing that and really grew so much, you know, going from two minutes on air a day to two hours a day uh, was really good for me as a journalist and as somebody trying to develop my skill set and started doing stuff at AT&T then. Julia was doing Astros, Kaylee was doing Rockets, and they just needed somebody to do some Astros pregame and postgame. And I was like, great, I'm doing radio now. This works. And I was totally content with that because I loved Houston and loved the teams I was covering. Um, and then obviously, you know, when, when Kaylee left heartbreak for all of you and I loved Kaylee and adore Julia. So that's, you know, working with women that you really like is, is a treat. Um, you know, she had an opportunity personally and professionally that made sense for her. And luckily it allowed my, uh, basketball loving self to move into that role. So it was a dream come true. And I, I can't even tell you the feeling I had when I realized, you know, I got to to be a, the reporter for such an incredible organization, franchise, you know, one of my jobs in college, like, was waiting tables at McCormick and Schmick's, which is a Tillman Fertitta restaurant in Indianapolis. And I was like, now I'm going to, like, interview Tillman Fertitta. So nothing but a lot of gratitude. And, um, yeah, it's been a journey. Coming up, we get into the transition of Vanessa joining the Houston Rockets, what it was like for her first year working on the sidelines with Craig and Ryan, plus some of the expectations for this upcoming season. We're going to get there in just one moment. First day's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads, 
player props, over-unders, and so much more. Right now, you can take a look at the outright Super Bowl 58 betting favorites, the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 600, the Philadelphia Eagles at plus 800, and rounding up the top five, you have the Bills at a 900, the Bengals at plus 1,000, and the 49ers also at plus 1,000. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNBA and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets with special guest Vanessa Richardson. Now, Vanessa, you mentioned it there a moment ago, right? Kind of doing some work for the Astros, now also transitioning fully into the role with the Houston Rockets, the sideline reporter. I'm so curious, how different are those two roles doing the sideline reporting, the fill-in duties that you do sometimes when Julia's out versus your job with the Rockets? How different is it covering basketball versus baseball? Yeah, it's so different. It's... um you know, just from the standpoint of your day, because baseball is obviously like every day and the city that you're in, you're in for a few days, which is uh, nice for baseball. Like I traveled to Toronto, Cleveland, and Miami this, this year for the Astros. Um, filling in for Julia, doing reporting for the Astros is totally different than filling in for Kevin Ashenfelder doing pregame and postgame. Pregame and postgame, you know, you're obviously pregame filling in people for what's to come the predictions post game, you're literally rehashing what happened and then tossing to the clubhouse. So, um, and then I, I do it on a fill in basis. I think I do like I, this year I did like 55 games total. Um, and, and still have some more to come. It will be 55 games is what I mean by the end of the Astros season. So I'm really tight with dusty. I love it. Um, you know, it, it is definitely not lost on me that getting to, do pregame and postgame for Fromber Valdez's, you know, no hitter or, you know, fun Jose Altuve moments, one of the greatest ever. Um, it, that's not lost on me. So I've loved it. I Basketball is the sport, obviously, that I love more. <laughs> and when you're full time with a team, it is just so special to get to be around them and to have you know, the privilege, and I do consider it a privilege to be at all the practices, to get up early and go to the shoot arounds. Yes, it makes, you know, my game day very long, but it's totally worth it. And, um, you know, to get to know their families and and their parents and talk about, you know, th- their parents' perspective is obviously so different than a fan's. And to get to peel back that curtain, and I'm, I'm doing every game, so it's just you really – you integrate yourself into the team and um, it's, it's really fun. And the Rockets are, have been really great about letting me in and the players last year were fantastic. So they're very different covering those sports, but the overwhelming, I think bullet points of journalism and reporting or whatever remain, which is, you know, be fair about what you're saying treat these athletes like humans, not just people that are there for your entertainment and, um, you know, know your stuff, be prepared, spend the time in the hotel room, or, you know, I like to go to a coffee shop, getting ready, doing the work and, and digging up the notes. I think those remain no matter what sport you're covering. What was your, if you can narrow it down to one, what was your personal favorite moment from this past year, your first year on the sideline with the Rockets? Ooh, good question. Favorite moment. Um, You know, I think about, I I, like, I couldn't even hide how much I loved and believed in Tari and Jabari and just 
my rookie year was their rookie year, right? So maybe there's a little bit of bias there. You guys I don't are always going to be. You guys are always going to be late. But, right yeah, but I just really, really appreciate them. And I think um, if I had to narrow it down to a game, it was probably the clutch shot that Jabari made to beat the Pelicans, I believe, on St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what game I'm talking about? I mean, I, it, to me, it was like it was like all the hard work was start people were starting to see it and i don't i don't want to bag the national like i don't want to be too mean to the national media but no it's okay you're allowed to be mean to the national media on the show (laughs) they tend to a lot of them tend to you know only focus on five teams and really not pay attention to the others and i'm intelligent enough to know if you cover the nba you're going to the last few years spend more time talking about the nuggets and the lakers whatever but to me there just was a lot of storylines that went untold in the national media and specifics in progress that was being made and guys that were developing and instead you know you'd listen to them talk about it and it would be you know they'd spend 30 seconds on the rockets and well i just they're just really young you know, it's like, no, there, there, there's actually specific things happening. That game, to me, um, as well as, God, I don't know, a couple weeks later when Tari had his great game against the Spurs, those were moments where it's like, okay, it's happening. The improvement is happening. These guys are making serious progress. And if you actually watch the games and pay attention – you're going to notice. And so I, that not only was it a really fun game, that St. Patrick's Day game against the Pelicans, not only was it super fun, um, you know, doing an interview after a last second shot and Jabari is so honest in this post game interviews and so open that it's, it makes it a lot of fun. But that to me was a game where it was like, okay, we know what the season is. Uh, we know we're not going to the playoffs, whatever, but, there is progress being made among these young players. They're working hard and we're going to start seeing more of it. So that probably was one of my favorite moments. Enjoying those, those small victories along the way, right? Kind of like a, almost a coming of age moment for Jabari hitting that shot. Totally. And then, you know, and then shout out to Boban as well, who got the tip on the inbounds on the final, on the actual final. Shout play of the game. out the <laughs> eternal shout out to Boban. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you ask about favorite moments doing little reports like Boban saw Dennis Rodman at his hotel and that's why Dennis Rodman is courtside or, you know, something, an interaction, you know, in the locker room between guys that they would allow me to share on air. It was, it was a good group of guys and obviously they were young. It was the end of the, you know, proverbial phase one as Rafael and Tillman have, have talked about. So yeah, I mean, the small victories, but but the real victories. Just because they're small doesn't mean they're real. And obviously, I'm biased and I work for the team but it, and, or the, the network, but, like, there there were times where I just wanted to point out, like, okay, so-and-so's, like, footwork has improved. Or, you know, are you not seeing that they're communicating more? And that was one of those games where I was like, see? You know, I, I feel like I've shared this before here on the, on this show, but there was one time it was the, uh, the back-to-back slate of games up in Denver. And we were at practice. You and I were the only two media members at practice <laughs> that one day. And we were walking to the other, the other end of the court to go interview, I think Eric first. And mm. Boban gave you a high five. 
and I thought he was just high-fiving you, and I was walking behind you, and I just completely left Bobon hanging because I thought the high-five was only for you. I didn't realize he was going to high-five me. He gave me crap about that, Vanessa, for the rest of the season. Every single He's time hilarious. he saw me, he would put his hand up like a high-five, and then he would point at me and be like, nope, not for you. Like, just such a funny guy. Honestly, such a wholesome individual. Yeah. Totally. I know you I know you mentioned right when I first asked you that question favorite moment from this past year. You kind of narrowed it down. You were like on the court moment. And just now you mentioned that there are sure. you know, being with the team, you know, traveling with the team, all the shoot arounds practices. You're privy to and you see a lot of moments that aren't necessarily captured by the camera. Are there any like funny, wholesome interactions between two guys that you'd feel comfortable sharing that you remember from this past season that kind of stand out? Ooh, good question. Off the court type of stuff. Um I think, I think seeing the friendships, you know, develop, uh, whether it was between Boban and other players and there being this, you know, massive age gap, but them just, you know, really loving each other or at shoot arounds, you know, when, when somebody would put on, uh, you know, an old song and another guy would be like, well, you haven't heard this or <laughs> it, it just was a very, it was a very, very good group. And, um, you know, I'm going to miss KJ Martin. KJ was fantastic. There were a lot of those funny moments with KJ and other players. Um, Alperin, and I'll tell you, I know that this isn't on the court memory, but the the storyline is off the court. We're in Chicago. His dad is visiting him. His dad, I think, was actually traveling with us with the team. And he did his first ever walk-off interview with me and he did it, you know, in English and that I, I can't even imagine learning another language. I can't even imagine learning another language and being away from your family for that long. I know it's part of the game, but I think it, it would be difficult. And uh, the, the fact that Al P trusted me with that and knew that I, I would keep the question simple and wouldn't overwhelm him. That meant a lot. And um, I took a picture of he and his dad outside of the, the arena in Chicago and his dad, you know, was just glowing. And so again, technically on the court, but things like that, where I feel, um, I do feel a duty and a responsibility to when I'm allowed to share those moments, to share those moments, because it, it look, I'm, I'm a fan. I get what it's like to be a fan, but I do think with the internet and all of that, there is a lot of the goodness that is lost um, with, with people just being angry or irritated or impatient. And when I can share moments like that, you know, Alpi and his dad, um, you know, or something along those lines, it's really special to me. You do an absolutely fantastic job of helping kind of, you talked about oh, right? thank these, you. these players, it, they're, they're more than just basketball players, right? They're human beings. And you do a great job, especially in the one-on-one -on -one interviews that we get to see via Sportsnet and all that, just kind of humanizing them and getting to really, getting to know them a little bit more on a personal level than just, okay, this is just the coach or these are just the players or this, that, and the other. Yeah. Thing. So we do appreciate. I really that. appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I, I do feel very um, welcomed by, the Rockets fans, I think it helped that I, you know, covered the team for a few years before getting the role. I think that was a being big in the, being in well. the market a little bit. People it, were totally. familiar with you. Yeah, totally. So and, you know, I've loved the Rockets since I moved here. So, um, yeah, I do feel the love from the fans. Shout out to all of you. <laughs> Not the fans of the... me. I mean, fans of the Rockets. <laughs> Not like shout out. To shout Vanessa. out to Rockets fans and shout out to Vanessa fans. We'll we'll shout out both right. of them here on the show. <laughs> coming up, we're gonna get into expectations for next season. It's all coming up in just one moment. 
And final segment here at Locked On Rockets chatting with good Vanessa music, by the way. Richardson. Oh, thank you. I, I I like my bumper music. It's good. It, it helped. Like shout out. I'm gonna call David Locke and tell him. Jackson, good bump music. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll take all the brownie points I can get with David. That's that. That's my guy. That's your guy. That's everybody's guy. That's America's guy. Shout out to David Locke, our fearless leader yep. here at Locked On. Um, the only thing we don't like about David is the fact that he works for the Utah Jazz. But that's Utah neither Jazz. here nor there. That's it. Uh-huh. I give him plenty of crap about that <laughs> on the regular. All right. Vanessa, I want to ask your thoughts about this upcoming season, some expectations for things going into training camp, going into this Phase two of the rebuild, essentially. But first things first, I got to ask you, what, just what's it like working with Craig and Ryan? Uh, <laughs> they are such good teammates. And it sounds, you know, really corny and really cliche, but it, it much like being on a team or, oh, you know what, whatever, if you, whatever job you have as a listener right now, having good teammates is what makes it or breaks it. And they're fantastic. Um, we have a great producer behind the scenes in Perry. We have Adam, our director, who's fantastic. And yeah, they're great. Um, Ryan, obviously, journeyman in the NBA. I always joke that we need a segment on our air called Ryan's Friends because Ryan has people at every game. And it's not just like former players. Jackson, it's like these like random people that own clothing shops or whatever, and they're always with Ryan. So Ryan is, um, you know, loved around the league. Um, just a great guy. Craig is hilarious. Craig is, you know, the the Houstonian. He's been here for so many moments. And Craig is y'all's veteran because Ryan he was is our veteran too. So totally. I mean, Craig has has seen it all in Houston, and uh, without making him sound too old, obviously, but. He's fantastic, and working with them has has been a dream. They've really helped guide me on the road and helping me with with different things. So yeah, I love our entire team over at AT and T Sportsnet from from the top down. Everybody's great, and it is such a massive production uh, that involves a lot of different people um, working really hard. And so we have a great team. And you guys provide incredible coverage of the Rockets games. Again, the fact that the Rockets have such an awesome dynamite crew between Craig, Ryan, and you covering the team, it makes the experience that much better for all of us yeah. who consume the games. At least when Thank when you. I'm when I'm watching road games and I'm not like actually covering the team and I get a chance to <laughs> see the work that you guys are doing. It's a it's a yeah. weird dynamic for me being there a lot totally. more in person now than like just watching it on TV. But um the Rockets bringing in new head coach part of the phase two identity of this team. Yeah. What are your early impressions so far of Ime Odoka? And what do you think kind of the expectations that the team has for him this upcoming season? I loved when, and I do believe he said this at the press conference and then said it again to me in our one-on-one where he was like, you know, I've never not been to the playoffs. Right. Do you remember that? I think he said it. Was that when a men and that was a draft Comp, it was the, it was the rookie press conference, I believe. Yeah, yeah, the rookie press conference, and I was like, okay, flex on him, Ime. I love that. Um, you know, I got to talk to him a little bit at, at summer league. I haven't seen him a whole because you know the practices obviously will begin, um, you know, soon, and then training camp. But here's the thing with Ime, you know that he cares a lot about defense, and you know that he has no problem, you know, making sure that the best players are on the floor. Tillman and Rafael were really honest about phase two. I mean, you mentioned it. So, so here, here are the expectations, in my opinion. 
the expectations are all about possibilities, which sounds really corny, but I believe that to be the case. So they bring in these great veterans. They bring, you know, Fred, they have Dylan. Okay. What are, what are the possibilities that come from Fred speaking life into these young men and, and Dylan being able to facilitate certain things? Could we see small ball? Are we going to see Jabari at the five certain games? You know, what's the possibility of Jalen Green? We've seen his workout videos. We know he's gotten stronger. Like to me, the theme, new coaching staff is just, there are so many, po- the possibility, could there be a play in tournament type deal? Like the, 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 is there, is there a possibility that, you know, in the winter we're going to be thinking about that? Cause that's exciting. That's a possibility. So I think Rockets fans expect improvement and what that looks like among certain players, you know, they're still so young. Like they're cut. Like Cam Whitmore turned 19, Jabari turned 20. Jalen, you know, obviously people want to see a lot from, from Jalen, but there are so many players in the NBA, Jackson, that don't hit their stride until their fourth or fifth year. So I think people expect improvement. I think people expect defensive improvement. But I also think it's just an exciting time of a lot of different possibilities among this uh, roster and I'm very excited <laughs> if you can't tell it should be look it should be an exciting year I, I've got optimism through the roof for what this team's going to be able to accomplish um, I'm going to have to we'll, we'll see just how exciting it is a little bit further down the line because I've got some over-unders that we're going to do to wrap up the show here in just a moment. Um, some predictions, if you will, for some of the players on the roster. But Ooh. before we get there, I do want to ask you, Just, I know we just talked about Ime momentarily, but what to you is the the biggest storyline that you're paying attention to going into this next season? Storyline would be, I think maybe what I said about the improvement among the, the younger guys. Um Here's what makes that fun. We saw, we had that appetizer of summer league. You know, we saw how much Tari and Jabari have elevated their game just in a few months since the season. I know summer league, summer league. I'm not an idiot, but that was really exciting. Pam, hello, MVP. I'm in, didn't get to see as much as we'd like, but you know, when I interview Rafael and, and Ime and they're talking about his athleticism and you have, Men with legends and men with so much pedigree, former players talking about how a man is like, wow, to them. I think that storyline is just the bit, one of the big storylines is, you know, how much will the younger players have elevated and how much does that veteran leadership help? The other storyline is, you know, this, this rock star coaching staff that all have, if you look at their resumes, proven success helping younger guys. Whether you're talking about Ben, whether you're talking about Garrett, Mike, Ime, I mean, at every stop, they have, and you can use statistics or you can just use post-game quotes the guys have talked about these coaches. They help young players. And so I think one of the big storylines is is those specifics, right? We've heard about Ben and, and his ability to help shoot and whatnot. Um, that is a major, major storyline to me. And I, I think there's we have a group of very, very hard workers and people don't always, you know, see how hard they work. But I think that's only going to elevate with this group. From what I saw at Summer League, you know, it only has elevated. So I'm really excited. All right. We'll get some predictions out of you before we before we wrap this thing up. <laughs> so let's start. I'm going to put you 
spotlight full bright, full brightness now. Jalen Green. So this is over unders. All right. Jalen Green okay. over or under twenty four point five points per game. Over. Over. Okay. A confident over. over. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, Jalen knows he has something to prove. Jalen is very aware and um, and very he's very confident. But I think it's a humble confidence, and so. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm taking the over. Okay. All right. So over on the first one. S- second guy on our list, Alperin Shingun, over or under 4.5 assists per game. He was at 3.9 assists per game this past season. Yeah, I'll go over. And I think, you know what, we, we were discussing like, oh, what, you know, small ball or like jock, you know, everybody knows they brought in jock. Um, happy healing to jock, by the way. But uh, yeah, I'm going over. I'm going over. Okay. All right. Two over so far. I like this. We got the complete opposite of Jonathan. I want you to understand. I'm probably going to go over for most of them because I really, really believe in this team and I cover them and I'm with them all the time. And I'm very optimistic. I don't know if that makes for a boring segment. I'm just giving you a warning. (laughs) Okay. That's no, that's, that's absolutely totally fine. It just means that when I revisit this media series and, and compile all the receipts somewhere at the mid season mark, when we look back and we're like, man, Vanessa crushed it with her predictions or she was just way off. It's all well, good. You know what? If the worst thing you say about me is that I believed in the team I cover, I'll take it. <laughs> all right. All right. Next one. Th- three out of four here. Jabari Smith Jr. Over or under 37.5% from three. Oh, uh, from three point shooting. Mm-hmm. I'll take over. Jabari's a very, very hard worker. He is very meticulous, detail oriented, and he is hard on himself. Um, works a lot with different shooting coaches, works a lot with his father back in Atlanta. So um, I'm taking the over. All right. So Jabari plus work ethic plus Ben Sullivan, maybe sprinkle some of that in there. And I mean, a 37.5% shooter. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about with Ben, you're talking about, again, somebody with proven pedigree of making guys specifically better at that. So um, yeah, I'm a big believer in Jabari as I, as I told you. Okay. All right. Last one here. Let's see if we go four for four on the overs. Amen Thompson over or under 18.5 minutes per game. Hmm. Now here's where it gets tricky because I think there's going to be a lot of competition at training camp, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing. You want there to be competition for playing time. He's a rookie, but we hear his athleticism is generational. Um, I've gotten to know him a little bit. I think he has a fantastic attitude. I think he's going to be a sponge and learn. And for that, my friend, we're going over. All right. We got four for four on the overs. I cannot wait to revisit these and see how they are panning out as the season goes along. Vanessa, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Any parting words for our Locked on Rockets audience? Well, I would just say thank you. You know, like I said, I listen um, I listen to this show. I, I've known David Locke uh, for a couple years now. And so the whole Locked on, you know, I, I'm very passionate about local coverage. So... I love, you know, what you all do and I do really, really appreciate the fans and we have some very exciting things coming up content wise, show wise, behind the scenes wise. Um, So yeah, stay tuned. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time, Vanessa. We appreciate it. Jackson, thank you. Appreciate you. 
That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.